0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode in Season 3 of Weekly Political Pep Talks.
1: I'm Leo. And I'm Vishal. So last time on the podcast, we came here and discussed the origins of cancel culture and where it is today. And if you haven't yet listened to it, make sure to check it out, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So Leo, why don't you let the listeners in on what today's episode will be about? Sure thing, Vishal. So the main topic
0: of today's episode deals with social media and how this affects our everyday world. And
1: later on, we'll get into whether Vishal and I think if this was for the better or for the worse. But before all that, let's get into the current events and discuss the shocking events that took place in our country in recent weeks. The first current event deals with Roe versus Wade and how the Supreme Court overturned it in June. So on June 24th, 2022, in a 6-3 vote, the United States Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision that affirmed the constitutional right to an abortion. What this now means is that states have the power to ban abortions, and roughly half the states in America have restricted or made it illegal to get an abortion. And as a result of this groundbreaking decision, many pro-choice supporters, including President Joe Biden, expressed their severe concern and pledged to restore the reproductive rights to women. On the day of the ruling, thousands of people stood outside of the chambers of the Supreme Court shouting, we will rise and my body, my choice. Out the White House, President Biden gave a statement saying it's a sad day for the country and for the court. He urged voters to make a defining issue in the November elections, declaring this decision must not be the final word. But before we move on to the later current events, let's talk about that 6-3 vote. I think it's pretty obvious that all the conservative justices voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, while the liberal justices voted to not overturn it. But another thing I would like to point out is just how conservative the Supreme Court currently is. And in a shocking article that I read from CNN, this is actually the first time the Supreme Court has been this conservative since the 1930s. And I think it's a fair thing to say that America was way different in the 30s than it is today. I just wanted you guys to understand how influential and how groundbreaking our current Supreme Court is and how Trump's influence still plays a role in today's politics. And that's why you see so many people talking about it today in the decisions that it makes. So, Leo, let's move on.
0: Okay, so our next current event is about monkeypox and how cases of monkeypox are on the rise. So as cases of monkeypox continue to rise in the U.S., a top health official is stressing that the outbreak needs to be handled in a more rigorous manner. Quote, this is something we definitely need to take seriously. We don't know the scope and the potential of it yet, but we have to act like it will have capability of spreading much more widely than it's spreading right now, Dr. Anthony Fauci told CNN on Saturday. Monkeypox has been detected throughout the most of the United States, with the exception of a handful of states, according to the U.S. CDC. Monkeypox is a pox virus, related to smallpox and cowpox, and this virus generally causes pimple or blister-like lesions and flu-like symptoms such as fever, as the CDC explained. The virus spreads through close contact, including direct physical contact with lesions, as well as, quote, respiratory secretions shared through face-to-face interaction touching objects that have been contaminated by monkeypox lesions or fluids may also risk the spread. On Saturday, Dr. Fauci said that more testing will be done with five commercial testing laboratories coming online, and he expects up to 700,000 vaccines will be distributed to communities by the end of July. The U.S. has more than tripled its monkeypox vaccine doses since last week, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, but that supply remains short of what's needed to help control the spread. And that brings us to the end of our current events section. So now let's move on to our main topic for today, which will be the effect that social media has had on kids and society as a whole, a topic that we've dubbed the digital dilemma.
1: Now, as per usual, we'll begin with some definitions regarding this topic. Social media is defined as websites and apps that engage in what we call the social network and allows people around the world to communicate with one another. This includes the internet, websites, and social media apps like Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: And we'd also like to define the term addiction. So now this, in terms of what we're discussing here, addiction means that a person, especially kids, are very attached to technology and social media to the point where they get irritable or upset when they have to spend time without it.
1: And with those definitions out of the way, let's get into some background and history of social media and its influence on kids. I guess you could say that social media began with the introduction of the internet into homes in the late 1900s, 1990s to be exact. Although the internet wasn't nearly as popular back then as it is now, many families had one computer that was shared by everybody in the house. And this computer was able to complete simple searches and was also used to communicate with others. Then, in the
0: late 1990s and early 2000s, there came the establishment of what are now major tech companies. For example, Amazon started in 1994, Google in 1998, Facebook in 2004. And while Apple and Microsoft actually started earlier in the 1970s, their use of social media expanded in the 2000s.
1: And this is when we saw the introduction of PCs, MacBooks, as well as games that could be played on these devices. And I think this was really one of the strongest selling points for kids on social media, and it has continued to be to this day with video games, of course.
0: In the late 2000s, Apple invented the iPhone, and other companies like Microsoft and Samsung followed suit with similar kinds of mobile devices. And now moving into the early 2010s, it was commonplace for people to each have their own device instead of the one family computer back in the late 1990s.
1: Kids' affinity for technology continued to grow. And the millennial and Gen Z generations grew up in what many now refer to as the technological revolution. Nowadays, everybody has a phone or an iPad or a computer or multiple of these devices.
0: And kids are getting their first phone at younger and younger ages. And I'll give a quick anecdote here something that really proves this is how I got my first phone about halfway through seventh grade and my brother, who's actually two years younger than me, got his first phone just a few months later when he was still in sixth grade. And this really goes to show how technology is being
1: used by kids at younger and younger ages. And just think about it. How many four or five-year-olds do you know say they have their own iPad? Or how many 10 and 11-year-olds say they have their own phone? And now, kids have become enticed not just by games, but also by social media apps that had previously only been used by adults, like Instagram and Snapchat, and more recently, TikTok, which has had all the sorts of effects that we'll discuss later in this episode. And that brings us to where we are today, especially after the pandemic, when people had
0: nothing to do but sit at home and be on their devices, kids have become more addicted to social media than ever, bringing us to a very relevant topic, which is addiction.
1: So addiction to social media has become a major problem in today's society when it comes to kids. Whether it's that they won't stop scrolling on TikTok or Instagram, or more commonly that they won't get off their video game, addiction to technology and social media is a serious problem. And the scariest part about all of this is that social media and technology on a larger
0: scale is being designed to be addictive. In fact, numerous ex-employees of companies like Apple, Facebook, and Google have actually come out and explained the methods that are used to
1: really artificially hold somebody's attention to their screens. These whistleblowers of sorts have even compared the addiction to social media to addiction to painkillers. If you're looking for proof, consider this scenario. You're talking to someone, but there's a TV behind them. Even if you're not interested in what is on TV, the fact that it is on at all means you're likely to find yourself staring at the TV and not paying attention to the person that you're talking to. And this phenomenon is only worse, especially with mobile devices. There's
0: actually a really good documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma that explains a lot of this very well. And while there are some techniques that can be used to treat addiction to social media, such as simply spending less time on it, and in more extreme cases, even going to therapy... But the
1: really scary part of addiction to social media is really two parts and the first is how difficult it is to stop using social media i mean nowadays almost all communications with friends and family even with school and work is done through social media so many people have had to use it for those reasons and they continue to use it for recreational purposes as well and the second is and the probably more scarier is that almost everyone is addicted to social media yes Kids are our main focus here, but so many adults here also use social media, and those are also people that are becoming heavily addicted to it. In fact, a study from Maryville University shows that 72%
0: of the U.S. adult population has social media in some way, shape, or form. And based off of the addictive techniques that developers put into social media that make you reliant on it, ensures that almost all people who use social media eventually become addicted to it. And this issue only seems to get worse as technology spreads and we move forward into a more digital age.
1: So now let's get into social media and marketing strategies that these companies use. Another important aspect of social media would be its relationships with marketing and advertising. As I'm sure all of us may know, companies can pay social media apps to put ads of their product with the goal of reaching people and getting people to buy stuff. Now, whether we want it or not, This does happen. So let's examine the positives and negatives of this process.
0: So we can start with some positives. First, this can help people grow their businesses. Lots of people start small businesses and don't really have the option of expanding physically into different stores. In fact, many people have businesses that are run entirely online. So using ads helps
1: them sell more products and expand their business. Now let's discuss the negatives. Unfortunately, these overpower the positives that we previously discussed. So the first and most obvious is the fact that no one likes ads, and I think it's an inconvenience to all the users of that platform. Ads are annoying, distracting, and they interrupt our use of social
0: media. And what this often means is that people will associate certain brands with being bad or annoying because they see so many ads for them. And I think a really relevant example of this is with the Truth Initiative, which is an organization that opposes vaping and smoking and tries to convince kids to either not vape at all or to quit vaping. And while this seems good and beneficial, a combination of poor marketing strategies and constant ads makes a lot of people unfortunately vape in spite of these ads or just to make them angry.
1: For example, if you were to check the comments of any Truth Initiative posts, you'd probably see a lot of comments along the lines of, I'm vaping now. This is bad for obvious reasons, as the entire point of that campaign is to limit the amount of kids and adults that are using vapes.
0: Another major negative of marketing is, once again, the design of social media sites and how they use sketchy tactics to personalize ads. I'm sure you've seen something along the lines of you Googling new shoes and a few hours later you see an ad for new shoes on Amazon. And a major reason that these are problematic is because of privacy. There have been numerous instances where users' personal information was leaked or given to advertisers without their consent.
1: This especially affects kids because they are more likely to fall for these targeted ads and buy stuff even when they don't need it. Proving that marketing has definitely had a strong negative impact on social media as a whole. And this brings us to our next
0: main subpoint here, which is about social media and mental health. So this is a very important topic and has become even more relevant since the start of the pandemic just a few years ago. Since its creation, social media has been used to communicate between people far away, and this can be especially good for people who are lonely or suffering from depression or anxiety.
1: During the pandemic, a time where people were trapped and isolated in their homes and couldn't see their friends in person, social media was a good substitute and allowed them to communicate with one another and stay in touch. But, as always, social media opens the door to something I'm sure we've all heard about in school and other places, cyberbullying.
0: Cyberbullying on social media is a very big issue, and it really has been for years, especially among kids. When it comes to school or in-person bullying in schools, it's relatively easier for teachers to regulate it and punish bullies, which is not to say that in-person bullying doesn't happen at all, because it still does, but it's just more easily regulated when it's not online.
1: Cyberbullying is not only harder to trace, but also harder to punish, as adults in schools are less likely to do something about stuff that happens outside of school. Aside from cyberbullying, social media itself has drastic effects on the users of that app in the form of unrealistic body standards and unrealistic life that influencers also live and post about. And this can lead to kids
0: thinking that they have to live so-called perfect lives, when in reality, the influencers that they look up to are just putting up a facade. And social media can also lead to severe sleep deprivation, which can lead to poor grades in school, and depression, and a whole mess of other effects. And so what this really means is that social media has to be properly regulated in order to make sure that mental health is prioritized.
1: And lastly, before we move on to our opinion section, one thing, because we are a political podcast we'd like to incorporate here, is social media and politics, and how polarization is sort of a byproduct of social media in our country.
0: So as we know, this has been one of our longer episodes, we still want to touch on how social media has affected politics. So first, in recent years, social media sites have become a breeding ground for extreme politics, most alarmingly on the right wing.
1: This can be primarily seen on Facebook and Twitter, both of which are known for their widespread of what is often political misinformation. And while those apps, specifically Facebook,
0: are typically used by people who are Gen X and older, political misinformation can still occur on apps like Instagram and TikTok, which are more common among younger users.
1: And now, with practically every politician having social media, it's easy for people, especially kids and the younger generation, to find themselves trapped in one corner of the internet, where they hear the same extreme ideologies repeated over and over again. And therefore, as you can see, leads to political polarization. So with that out of the way, why don't we get to our opinion section? All right, sounds good. Vishal, do you want to go first? Of course. So my thoughts about social media are very mixed and mutual. I honestly believe when these companies such as Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, and more were first created, they initially served as a platform for people to connect and forgo the distance between them. And when you look at social media in that way, a place that can bring people, whether it be friends or family together, I am all for it. However, as these companies became more popular, there has been a shift in their goals. And rather than bringing joy and satisfaction to the users of the app these companies are more geared to driving up their profits and the main way of doing this is through their advertisements again there's nothing wrong with displaying advertisements on the app that's just something that these companies need to do to stay afloat but when companies go as far as to collect data about a user and display ads using that data then you are crossing that line between entertainment and privacy and i'm sure leo you'll get into this in your opinion But the way targeted ads work is that the app collects data from that user, and based on that user's data, it will display certain advertisements related to that. So for example, let's say you're on Instagram and you see some post about some dog food, right? If you were to like that post, then Instagram takes in that information, processes it, and in your feed, they would give more and more posts regarding dog food and maybe show you even ads about it. And this is exactly how we become addicted to our mobile devices. It is important to know that this process of targeting advertisement is not only limited to advertisements. Take TikTok, for example. Once you like something on your For You page, the app adjusts the videos it shows you to similar themes of that video you originally liked. And this is exactly what keeps us glued to our phones. It's happened to me a countless number of times. Now this brings me to the point about using your mobile device in moderation. But first, let's get something clear. It is inevitable that everything in the world will become digital at one point. In fact, this transformation is happening right now as we speak. With that being said, it is important for your own health to not be constantly glued to your electronics. And several studies regarding sleep patterns and behavioral patterns have proved this. With that being said, my final thoughts on social media and where it stands today or that it's a good thing that has happened to our world. However, the path it is currently on with the data collection and data breaches and selling data for marketing purposes is a very dangerous one and could very well be the thing that ends what it was originally built for, which was bringing people together.
0: Wow, that was very well said, Vishal. And I think with that, I can get into my own thoughts on social media. So I think that our relationship with social media as a society is not only quite obviously an important issue, but I also do think it is a problematic one. So to first touch on addiction, I think that this is very serious. I myself will catch myself scrolling through TikTok sometimes on my bed for sometimes even up to an hour, and when I snap out of it, I really think about how much time that I just wasted. And I think that this is proof of not only how addictive our phones and social media are, because once again, they are designed to be that way, but also how bad this is for us. I mean, think about all we could get done if we weren't on social media for so many hours a day. And the fact that kids younger and younger are becoming addicted is scary because the younger they start, the harder it will be for them to ever overcome that addiction to social media later in life. And now when it comes to marketing, I do share the same concerns about privacy and information being leaked. And I think that there should be more regulation and care when it comes to this. I also think that companies that do leak information should face more punishment from the government in some kind of way. Also on the topic of marketing, I think that ads promoting small businesses can be very beneficial, but an incomprehensible number of ads promoting already huge corporations like say McDonald's are pointless and also really harmful in terms of mental health. I think that social media has to be used in moderation in order to stay sane, though I think we all have to recognize that it's really different for everybody. I mean, some people can handle more social media while others feel better deleting apps like Instagram and Snapchat completely. I, for one, find myself somewhere in the middle. But I think that using things like screen time and reminders can help you keep yourself on track. Cyberbullying, on the other hand, I think is not just a personal issue, and I think that both schools and social media sites should take it more seriously and should do more to regulate and punish those who cyberbully. And lastly, I think that social media has unfortunately become a breeding ground for right wing extremist politics. And I think that the only way to fight this is with opposing information that promotes civil discussions online and understanding one another. And if we can achieve all of this, then I truly think we can have a positive impact on younger generations and solve this digital dilemma once and for all.
1: All right. I think that was very well said, Leo. So why don't we move on to the outro for this episode?
0: Yeah. And that brings us to the end of our episode on the digital dilemma. This is more one of our more comprehensive episodes, Mm -hmm. I think. And probably one of the first that we've given its own mini title.
1: Yeah, so we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Definitely, it was one of the longer ones, so we hope you enjoyed hearing all of it. So yeah, Leo, do you have anything coming up this summer?
0: Uh, I'm actually taking my permit test in just a few days. Oh,
1: exciting. Um, So yeah.
0: Oh, and my birthday is in a few days also.
1: Yep, 16, right? Yeah, 16. So Leo, Everybody on the podcast is wishing you, along with me, a very happy birthday. So we hope you enjoy that.
0: Thank you very much. As
1: for me, probably not this next episode, but soon we're going to be, when we get into season four, we're going to be coming up with some new stuff. In August, I'm getting my driver's license. That's all.
0: Yeah, very exciting for you too. Yep.
1: Uh, So Leo, why don't you sign us off?
0: All right. Uh, Happy listening, everyone, and stay political.
1: For more exclusive content, visit weeklypoliticalpeptalks.com.